Well, hello everyone, and welcome to a special edition of the Vintage Church Podcast. We just completed a series through the book of Romans called The Letter, and throughout that series, we were very aware that we didn't hit everything that we needed to hit, that there was weeks that as we walked through these chapters, there were things that we just not did not have time to lean into, and so we decided to do a podcast called Romans Revisited, where we sit down and have a conversation about these things that maybe we needed to go a little bit deeper in than we did during the letter, and to do that, we're doing more than just giving you a sermon. We're offering an opportunity for you to listen in on a dialogue between me, I'm Matt, the lead pastor at Minish Church, and Jasmine Denton, our discipleship pastor. And so welcome to part two of Romans Revisited. Hello, Jasmine. Hey, Matt. How are you? I'm good. Literally, like Jasmine and I, I don't know that we've even really spoken yet. No, I saw you in the (laughs) lobby. You were on the phone, and that was it. But listen, I have my mug fully charged. It's going to keep the coffee hot for at least an hour and a half. So did y'all hear that? She has a charged mug. I do. Like literally a mug that has an electric heater essentially in uh-huh. it yeah. to keep the coffee from going cool throughout the day. And Jasmine's it keeps it very at much the a coffee perfect person. Perfect temperature. I have an app that lets me know it's Bluetooth that it connects to my phone. This is um, next level bougie. I hope. <laughs> listen, I wanted one for a very long time, and Lyle bought it for me for Christmas, and he was so excited to give it to me. He didn't even wait till Christmas, and I did. I didn't care. That's I just hilarious. wanted to use it. Yeah. But um, yeah, because I, I like to carry my coffee cup around, and it's not always convenient to go put it in the microwave. But this keeps it at 135 degrees until the battery starts to go red. Okay, so coffee people, those of you who are like, man, I need to know what that is, you can email Jasmine mm-hmm. at v- jasmine at vintagechurch.net, yep. J-A-S-M-Y-N. She is not an I-N-E because she's also bougie about her name like she is her coffee. <laughs> uh, jasmine at vintagechurch.net, and she'll send you the link because you can probably buy it on Amazon or something like that. Sure. But So Jasmine, uh, w- we decided to do this even yeah. before we finished the series. I said Jasmine, and, and I invited Jasmine especially because she's our discipleship pastor, and she is a an intense note taker, mm-hmm. and so she and she. She taught a couple times during this series, and I said, you, you know what I said, you know what I didn't say, you took notes and that kind of thing, and so let's just sit down and just walk back through these chapters, walk back through Romans, and we learned last week <laughs> that even now, trying to do this in a, in a longer form podcast type medium, that it's going to be difficult to hit everything. Listen, you could spend your entire lifetime in Romans. Isn't and find something yeah. new all the time. This is the nature of the living and active Word of God. Right. And, th- and the nature of meditative literature. And that's what the Bible is. The Bible was written for you to meditate on. Mm-hmm. This is, it is the ancient Eastern style of writing mm-hmm. that, yes, there is something there that's sort of just right on the surface that you can sort of snatch up and and take and you know, and apply immediately. But then there are things that are there for for you to wrestle with. And there were a lot of things, and we'll even talk in Romans 5 today. There were things that I had to wrestle with. And here's here's mm. the thing. If you look back at, at Jacob wrestling with God, mm. God wasn't mad. 
that he wrestled. He oh, yeah. invited it. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. This, it was good. He blessed That's Jacob. Good. He renamed Jacob right. because Jacob wrestled with God. And I, I mean, you look at Moses as the mediator who went up on Mount Sinai and he wrestled with God. God was ready to wipe the nation of Israel off the planet because they had built this golden calf. And Moses is like, I get it, God, but please don't do that. Mm. And he wrestled with God on top of Mount Sinai. And and so when, you know, just as a note of encouragement, especially through a book like Romans, but through anything in the Bible, don't be afraid to wrestle with it. Mm. Don't be afraid to say, God, I read this, but I don't, I don't get why you would say this or mm. why you would do this right. or how this— how does this fit with your character? And because if you're willing to wrestle with it, with God, with it, I think that he will bless it. Mm. And he will, can, if you'll use his word as truth, he will continually point you good. toward that truth. Yeah. So just there you go. So I don't even remember where we left we off ma- last So we week. made it, we made it through, uh, Romans 4. We hit Romans 4 pretty quick, but that's okay because there are some things in Romans 5 and I think even in Romans 6 that are sort of callbacks to Romans 4. So okay. uh, we'll just dive into chapter 5. All right, so chapter 5. I love this chapter so much. Mm. I mean, it's it was probably... So you spent actually two weeks, two messages in Romans 5 because there is so much in Romans mm. 5. And uh, the first of the Romans 5, I don't remember what the name of it was, but it was the one where he talked about the shade between two trees. Mm, yeah. uh, it's such a great message. I'm sorry that I don't know the name of the, uh, the message. I think it was Peace at a Price. Yes. Yeah, because yeah. I just pulled it up. I pulled up my Yeah, Peace at a Price. Um, and so if, if you have not listened to that one, go back and listen. I it's March 20th. Yes, March 20th. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, and such a great, such a great chapter. And there's so much in this chapter. And I'll, I'll say Romans 5, 1, probably one of my favorite verses mm. in all of scripture. Therefore, since we've been declared righteous by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. The fact that we have peace with God mm. ca- came as such a relief to me after we went through all of the wrath of God in the beginning of Romans, Mm. the fact that we have, like it is settled. Mm. We have peace with God. We no longer have to fear coming before him. Even when we sin, even in our questions, even in our imperfections, like we have, there's like a peace treaty between us Mm. and we can always approach God through our Lord Jesus Christ. And that's where we are introduced to this idea of reconciliation mm-hmm. with God. And and that's been his longing. I mean, that's the reason that we were made, because he wanted unity. He wanted basically to have a family with him, himself, and humanity. Right. And then that was broken. That relationship was broken in the Garden of Eden. And then the whole picture of the Old Testament is all of the ways that God kept entering into our sinful world because he wanted us to draw near to him and mm. all the ways that he has made a way for that to be possible. And um, and so here, you know, this is where we are introduced to the, the idea of reconciliation. But one thing I thought was interesting, that Romans 5, so here we are five chapters deep into Romans, and it's the first time since the introduction that we hear about God's love. Mm. And I always try to pay attention because— 
that's sort of our our call, right? Yeah. As Christians, we said God is love. God is so loving. He is loving. He's so, there's so much love. He's so loving. And so I try to note when there's an absence of the mention of God's love, like the actual word, hmm. uh, and pay attention to when it appears. And and so Paul has set up this whole thing up to Romans five of all of the ways that God has demonstrated his love for us. Um, and so, and that's, you know, that's where we see it is in uh, Romans 5, 8, but God proves his own love for us. And that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Mm. Um, well, and a little bit before that, it says, uh, because God's love has been poured out in our hearts through the Holy Spirit who was given to us. So um, I thought that was pretty significant that, yeah, the, yeah, the, it was sort of the first time that we heard about God's love since the very, very beginning. But that doesn't mean that just because you don't see God's love like in the word doesn't mean that Paul isn't showing us. He doesn't just tell us that God loves us. He mm-hmm. has shown us um, like this is what God's love it's good. looks like. For sure. Um, So you talked a lot about this idea of suffering and like that we a lot of times try to get around it and avoid it. Um, And we even hear things like we need to do everything that we can to alleviate or end human suffering. Mm. Right. Yeah. But then there we see in scripture, you need to rejoice in your afflictions. Mm. So what, what is that? Like, how do you, how do you see that as, what is our responsibility as people who love God and, and who want justice and mercy and good things and blessing for one another and for our, you know, fellow humanity? What is our responsibility in alleviating human suffering? That, yeah, wow. Sorry, that's, that's, that's a coming big one. heavy and deep right yeah. off the gate. Well, you know, I don't think the reality, the, the picture that is painted by scripture mm-hmm. that seems very clear that suffering is inevitable, that trial and tribulation are a part of the human existence, that that does not somehow give us a reason to not pursue peace, you know, to pursue justice, to pursue things that in an attempt to alleviate or eliminate Mm -hmm. or Mm -hmm. ease Mm -hmm. some of those things. Um, I think it's, I'm trying to think of a good example, like just because you can't eliminate it doesn't doesn't mean you don't try. Mm -hmm. I think that's the place that we can get Mm. is, well, I'm going to suffer. This is is inevitable. And so Mm -hmm. I'm just not even going to try. Um, I don't think that that's what it is. I think, you know, understanding that this side of the second coming, this side of Jesus's next promise, Mm -hmm. that shade between two trees, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, in that middle ground between resurrection and return, that before the return, it will be difficult, but we are supposed to be instruments of hope and answer the call to ease some of the suffering in the world, but living with the understanding that, it will not be fully eliminated. Mm-hmm. And I think we live in that sometimes. We have a culture that, like, if I can't do it exactly the way I want it done or if I can't do it all, I just won't do it at all. Right. And 
I don't think that's the posture that a follower of Jesus should have mm-hmm. because of the other things said in Scripture, that we definitely engage the world. We engage in eliminating as best we can things like poverty and, and hunger and, you know, and even like the, the disease and, and physical things. And it, again, it comes down to it's like, okay— it's almost like a snake handler mentality sure. that we can adopt really quickly. Yeah. Well, you know, I know I'm going to die anyway, so I'm just going to eat cheeseburgers and right. do things. And I'm going to live my life the way I want to live it. Yeah, it's mm-hmm. about, you know, um, there is a quality of life that that we should honor mm-hmm. and steward well mm-hmm. in those those kind of ways. But for me, in, in a lot of ways, this I think what Paul, to me, the point of chapter 5, of, of much of chapter 5 is— Again, because Paul's trying to solidify, like, ground people in the gospel. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I think I said it during that time. It's, you know, I talked about assurance that, that week because it's so easy. You know, when you think about reconciliation, it's like like you, you and God are good now. Mm-hmm. You and God are good. Yeah. And so operate from that with that in mind, that yes. you and God are good. And this was a culture that very much when anything went bad, they thought God was mad. Right. And so— it felt like affliction was the absence of reconciliation. Mm. Well, if me and God are okay, then why, why? is my grandma sick? Right. Why and in that culture, why is my aunt have leprosy? Right. Why does why, why does this thing happen? And mm-hmm. and it was very much of you've angered God, and you think about the Gentile people especially mm-hmm. that you you know oh, your yeah. crops aren't growing. You need to go make a sacrifice to the right God so your crops mm-hmm. so your crops will grow, and so you're you're working against generations of that mindset of mm-hmm. anything bad in your life is because you've ticked God off yeah. and you need to do something to make it right. And I think he was trying to, again, he's speaking to these Romans. Mm-hmm. You know, you, if you've studied Roman mythology and you know yeah. all the different things, he's Lord, working the, against mm-hmm. that spirit, that spiritual backdrop. Right. And so oh, yeah, it's like, you know, we have to So hey guys, you're good. You've been reconciled with God, mm-hmm. not through what you've did, but through what Jesus has done. Right. And so when you enter in suffering, don't respond like you used to respond. Don't think like you used to think. Mm-hmm. Don't think that, oh, no, Paul said that I saw Jesus. I believed in Jesus. I'm good with God, but my crops aren't growing. Maybe yeah. I'm not good with God. Maybe I'm doubting my salvation. Maybe I'm not really reconciled. Mm-hmm. He's like, no, 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 no. That the presence of suffering is not the absence of reconciliation. Like you're, you're okay. good. Mm-hmm. And... I don't know until preaching this that I really, it's easy to get into those verses yes. we love of Romans 5. Sure. Of, you know, like you said, Romans, you know, 5 1. Five, yeah. one Romans, it. you know, 5 5. Uh-huh. That mm-hmm. this hope will not disappoint us because God's love has been poured out in our hearts through the Holy Spirit. Like God loves you, God loves you, God loves you. Right. Oh, and when you suffer, He still loves you. He still loves you. Yeah. And, you know, that's. Well, and that, that's where that shade between two trees. Right. Strikes such a chord with us. And I think it was so different in their culture than in ours. Like mm. that's of all the things that are very similar to our culture in Romans, this is one of them that, you know, for me, maybe mm-hmm. I'm just speaking for me, I've never seen hardship as that, that God doesn't love me. I'm going through something hard, so God doesn't love me. Mm. Um, but I think v- very much in this culture, mm-hmm. they were fighting that mindset. Yeah. And I think we don't think about that a lot. Again, there was an intentional audience for this mm-hmm. letter. Paul is writing to a culture that he was super familiar with. Right. He had exposure to Rome, Roman culture. He grew yes. up, you know, as a Roman citizen. Correct. And so there was things that he knew, like, I have friends, and this is how they're going to respond. Mm. I have people that have been in my circle of influence, and I know that when they go hard, through hard things, when they see this stuff, they're going to retreat, 
to the theology that was laid before Jesus was introduced. Right. And so he's writing this letter again. We've said it before. This is not a, an, an evangelistic letter. In other right. words, he's not writing this to bring people to Jesus. Not that he didn't think that it could be leveraged for that sure, or whatever. Sure, sure. These are people that are coming to know Jesus, and now he wants it to stick. Yeah. He wants it to last. Mm-hmm. He doesn't want people to retreat back to those well, old things. And you would have the Gentiles retreating back to the other gods that they need to appease right. for all these things. And you would have the Jews the thinking, Jews oh gosh, I need to, to go make more sacrifices right. at the temple. Yeah. You know, okay, I need to make sure that I'm keeping my incense going. I need to make sure that I, I've got to take a burnt offering this week. I need um, to kill a goat because same yeah. things aren't going right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And so, you know, speaking to both, but I think here in our culture, what we see more is instead of people retreating back to, you know, well, because I'm suffering, God doesn't love me. Mm. It's I'm suffering and there is no God. Mm. Therefore, we need to do something about it. Yeah. You know? Yeah, very much that of all the things that people use as a reason to kind of reject an idea of God, if God, then why? Right. If God is good, if God is loving, then why do people suffer? And, you know, uh, I think there's a really simple answer to that. You know, the sinful, broken world. I don't think the answer that we give can is is good enough for for mm -hmm. people in that in that realm. You know, Um, but it comes down to uh, this this that expectation Mm. of. And it was, which is why it's so dangerous. Some of the ways the gospel gets distorted, yeah. That very hyper prosperity gospel, mm-hmm. and I know that's a weird term because you know, I do believe that God wants I don't, to bless. Wants to bless. I don't, yeah. you know, I don't want to preach a poverty gospel, right? You know, but I also think there's a, a, a realm of that prosperity gospel that's definitely unbiblical. Mm-hmm. But it's like you know that. It, if if in prosperity gospel we're saying meet Jesus and the expectation is you never get sick you have all the money you want blah 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 of course that's completely untrue right um but there is there is nuance to these things and and yeah Ro- of all the things in Romans five and that's why I I stuck where I stuck in that but in that first one yeah yeah and so then the second week that you spent in Romans 5, mm-hmm. um, I think it was called How Much More, because that is mm-hmm. the repeated refrain of Romans, the kind of the second part right. of Romans 5. Right. And, um, you know, you've said it multiple times through this series, and it's just a good principle whenever you're studying scripture. Whenever you see repeated words, you need to pay attention. That the author is trying to tell you something really important. And so they're continuing to emphasize and pull out this one thing. I mean, even this morning I was listening to um, Jaira, the mm-hmm. uh, Maverick City, and one of the bridges um, says, like, if he dresses the lilies with beauty and splendor, how much more will yeah. he clothe you? So even this morning, like hearing that phrase over and over, how much more? Like if this is what humanity has to offer, if this is what the world has to offer, how much mm, more does the God who literally owns everything because he made it all, mm. like how much more does he want for you? Um, and so this is the week that you brought out the chains. And mm. uh, when I, I don't think that I was actually in the building for this week because when I saw them on the screen I thought are those like the plastic play ones no those things because they were just lay like they were just laying on the ground you know and then when you picked them up and I could 
hear. Yeah, yeah. Like I could hear the weight of the chains. I was like, oh god. Like yeah. He's picking up heavy, yeah. heavy chains. They're about now, fifty pounds a piece. Yeah. Yeah, they're yeah, they're yeah, crazy. They're substantial. Um shout out to local gyms. Yes. For lending us props. Oh, nice. Uh so and, and, you know, and your point was like, you're carrying chains that Jesus had already released you from and you need to put them down because mm. how much more does he want mm. for you? Um, but this is where I, this is where I wrestled in this whole, like, if sin entered the world through one man, mm. then how much more, like how much better is this gift then that we have through, mm-hmm. through Jesus? Mm-hmm. But it was like in my, in my flesh and in my human understanding of fairness, which is never a great place to start reasoning through scripture with. Mm. It was like, but it just doesn't seem fair that Adam sinned. And because Adam sinned, we are all under sin. Mm. We all are are sinful. But Jesus died, but his sacrifice isn't just automatically applied in the way that sin was automatically applied, Mm. you know? And so I really, like, I wrestled with that. Mm. And it was like, God, like, why... If it's such a generous thing, mm-hmm. why don't you just dump it out mm-hmm. and let us all have it? Because, like, the, you know, and I could feel that wrestle. And it took, like, I, I mean, I wish I could say just a few days, but, like, weeks of thinking, like, God, why why didn't you just say, okay, like, it's it's done. Like, all of that is now erased. The debt that you owed is done. Like Jesus paid it. We're good. Like why make people like, is it a hoop that, mm. that you're making me jump through that you're making humanity jump through to come to you now? Like, cause you didn't make us jump through the sin hoop. We just got that one. Thanks. Like that was the, like, so this, where did you land? Okay. So here's where, I, here's where I land. All right. So, and this is where it ties back to Romans four, because Romans four talks about that, we are justified through faith mm-hmm. that, and, and he uses the term credited, like a credit that you get, mm-hmm. but that like, if somebody writes you a check, you have to take it to the bank. Mm-hmm. Like just because they wrote the check doesn't mean that it is applied to your debt unless you say like, I will, I will accept the check and I will take it to the bank mm-hmm. and apply it to okay. the debt. Yeah. Because I because then when I'm thinking about it, the word inheritance is the one is the key word that helped me get through this wrestle. Mm-hmm. So you know, when someone dies, if they have debt, you automatically inherit that debt. Whether or not, like if, if your parents die and they're a hundred thousand dollars in debt, just because they died doesn't mean that debt is erased. Mm-hmm. Like you have, you are now the the beneficiary, so to speak, of that debt. Mm. And you have to figure out how to pay for it. Mm-hmm. And so we inherited a debt of sin mm-hmm. through Adam. Through Abraham, we inherited the, we could be credited through faith, like for righteousness. Mm-hmm. And so we didn't have to belong to Abraham as his literal physical descendant because this was a gift through faith, not through the law. Mm -hmm. 
And so because that gift was passed on, God's intention the whole time was to keep this promise to, you know, to make Abraham's like descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky and that that all nations would basically would know God through through this promise. And there was something about just that that word of like we yes, we did, and it sucks, it super sucks that we inherited this debt of sin, but we also inherited God's promise to Abraham, which Abraham received by faith, not the law, and that resulted in his righteousness. But because he accepted that, like we have that also. Like we have to deal with the debt, but God gave us the credit mm-hmm. to deal with the debt. Yeah, it's good. And and that's where, you know, Romans 4 says, it will be credited to us who believe in him, who credited raised Jesus our Lord from the dead. It's good. Um, and I, I just, I love that. And, you know, there's so much in, in Romans 5 that, you know, just through the whole, like how much more, mm-hmm. that is such a gift. But it, I, I don't know, just as a matter of encouragement to say like, wrestle with things. And it might not be resolved perfectly, immediately, but like, don't, don't well, stop the wrestle. Well, you know? and even as you, as you read through Romans, you're going to, and especially, you know, as you keep moving into these chapters, there, there's tension that you have to kind of sit in a little bit. Yeah. Understanding, you know, in our human minds, it's hard for certain things that Paul talks about to coexist for mm. this, for, for both things to be true. Um, especially when we move into Romans 9, 10, 11, we're right. talking about those things. But even even just like, you know, in Romans 5 and 6, when it's talking about, you know, that freedom in Christ, that, yeah, that, yeah, you have been set free. You have, you have this grace that this original sin that has been passed down to you has now been, been dealt with through the one, the one act of Adam dealt with by the one act of Jesus mm-hmm. and that kind of stuff. But as he moves in chapter six, what shall we say then? Should we just keep right. on sinning? Should we just like, oh man, I got grace. So I'll just keep living it up and just asking, expecting and doing all the great. And, and, you know, and it's like, no, that there is now on the other side, this new freedom that you have mm. and your desire to resist temptation and not walk in sin. It's not about forfeiting your salvation or right. anything like that. It's about stepping into the abundant life that Jesus wants to give you. Mm-hmm. And so it's that tension of, okay, well, I'm saved, but yet I'm still tempted. Right. I know Jesus, but yet I still, like you're living in these tensions. Mm-hmm. And it's like there's constantly a certain measure of tension you're going to have to embrace Yes. As you walk in and grow in faith. Yeah. Well, and, you know, when you think about tension and you, when you think of the word like grow, that's the way that you build muscle. Yeah. Like things in the under gym. tension. Things yeah. under tension. Tension, you know? friction, all these things yeah. create. Yeah. Yeah. Create growth. Uh, and Romans 6 is, um, you know, we're, we're dead to sin, alive to God in Christ. And this is where we come upon that lovely word sanctification. Mm. Um which you kind of just described, defined as it's an ever increasing surrender to God. It's ever increasing in holiness. Yeah. Um, there's a lot of uh, misconception. Yeah. And tension, which we gladly enter into right. around the word sanctification. You want to talk about that? 
Well, depending on what tradition you grew up in, because the tradition I, tradition I grew up in, it wasn't just sanctification. It was another word added to the front of it. Entire, Entire. Yeah. sanctification. Uh, and, you know, I grew up in the Wesleyan Church. Um, those of you who don't kind of know what that is, the Wesleyan Church split out of the Methodist Church re- kind of around the time of the Civil War. The Methodist Church was really kind of draws its roots back to a guy named John Wesley, who was from England, came to America for a little while. It didn't really go so well for him. Mm-hmm. Um, goes back, but how people that were kind of connected to him got their name was he was very methodical in how he approached discipleship and all those kinds of things. And so the Methodist, methodical Methodist was born. Um, But in that, there's this, there's this concept of like entire sanctification. And my whole life, I've heard it defined in so many different ways. It's just Mm -hmm. like anything else. People all the the time come to me and say, what do you believe about entire sanctification? Mm -hmm. And you say, say, first, define it for me, because I need to know what you mean by that. So do I believe in entire sanctification based on whose definition of entire sanctification? Mm-hmm. Is it Wesley's? Is it yours? Is it mm-hmm. is it the one that's been twisted and moved and I don't want to say manipulated sure. over time? But, you know, if it's this time where you get to this point in your life where you never, ever, 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 ever sin again, I don't hold to that. Mm. Uh, and now... Then it comes down to semantics, like another thing. Well, right. it's an intentional sin. It's mm-hmm. Wesley's a willful transgression against the known law of God. Mm-hmm. And it's like, well, now we're getting into semantics. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know what I mean? Right. Um, but when you look at just the word before it's hijacked by denominations and sure. built upon by theologians and that kind of stuff, uh, just that word sanctification, if you break that, the, mm-hmm. that word holy is in that. The Greek word for holy is in there. Mm-hmm. And it's basically with ever increasing more and more right. holiness. You know that whole that more and and so it's it's an increasing thing. Mm-hmm. I don't see anything in the word that says it's it's a it's a word that has an end point. Mm. That it is you know when you look at you know Greek has all these different tenses sure. and this 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 action that starts and never stops. Mm-hmm. Like it's it's ever increasing. It's mm-hmm. it's more and more and more and more and more and more and more until Jesus returns or we die. Yeah. And so like I I I would hesitate to define that in any way that has a definitive end. Okay. You're sanctified now when you when you get to this point. No, like the Holy Spirit's constantly right. sanctifying mm-hmm. us. Because he's the one that's doing sanctification also is not about your behavior. It's about the work of the Spirit in, in you. you. Right. Um, because then that's what it was for me. Sanctification was a behavior modification plan. Yeah. And it was sin management. Yes. And and it was not real discipleship. Because mm-hmm. and we've talked about this at some point, I think. For me growing up, discipleship was all about sin management. Mm. That you grew in Jesus when you stopped cussing, you stopped lying, you stopped doing all, when you stopped. Right. All the stops. Mm -hmm. And there was very little about compassion, Mm. love, empathy, service, Mm. sacrifice, you know. And so to me, sanctification is just not, not about the eradication of sinful things, but it's about the production of fruitful things. Right. Through the spirit, and yeah, hmm. it's good. Um, so again, you know, paying attention to words that you see over and over, there is one word that when I read it, um, stood out to me. So the verse is it's Romans 6 6. It says, For we know that our old self was crucified with him, so that the body ruled by sin might be rendered powerless so that we may no longer be enslaved to sin since a person who has died is freed from sin. Um, that word rendered powerless mm. um, 
in some translations, it says nullified. Um, it, the Greek word is, uh, um, this is the segment where Jasmine butchers the Greek language because I, unlike Matt, did not have two years of Greek or however many years of Greek you had to have. Yeah, it was two years. Two years. Uh, but the word is a katargeo, and it means nullified, rendered powerless. And um, I, when I read it, I was like, wait, I've read that word before in Romans, and Paul uses it. Up to this point, this is the fourth time that he's used it. He uses it in um, Romans 3.3, 3, mm. uh, where he's asking a question. He's saying, so does our unfaithfulness mm. nullify God's faithfulness? He says, no. And then in 3.31, he says, well, is the law nullified through faith? He says, no. Is God's promise to Abraham nullified by mm. the law? No. But then in 6.6, 6, it's, well, is the rule of sin nullified by faith in Jesus? Yes. This is the first time that we see something that is rendered powerless. In every other instance where he uses this word, he says, well, does this then nullify that? And he says, no, on all of those counts, except for this one. And he says that the rule of sin is rendered powerless by faith in Jesus. And um, and I loved that. I love that because it made it stand out. You know, if he'd gone back and forth about, well, yes, this, then, okay, yeah, this nullifies that, or yes, th- uh, no, but this doesn't nullify that. It was like up to this point, everything has been, no, it's not nullified. Not, nope, nope, nope. But sin is the one thing that's like, no, it's rendered powerless. Mm. It's nullified. And, um, and, you know, and we'll go on and we'll see in Romans 6, that doesn't mean that you will never deal with sin again. Yeah. And, um, in this, oh, this is going to maybe lead us down a bad Oh, here place. we go. Here we go. Okay. I love Harry Potter. All right. <laughs> okay. I've read the books a billion gajillion times. I've seen the movies like a couple times. I, but I'm, I'm a book person, okay? That's okay. just me. Yeah. All right. You, you like the movies. Sure. Right? Yeah. Okay. All right. So at the end, and you've read the books. Yes. Yeah. All right. So at There's the end. There's about 15 people like, oh my gosh, witchcraft. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, read Lewis. with anyway. me. Stay with me. Right. Okay. Um, so at the end of book seven. Okay. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I can't believe we're talking about this. But this is what I think of every time. Um, Voldemort kind of kills Harry, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, but then he's, he lives. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, right. And then when Harry, like comes back to life. He doesn't really die. It's just, okay. I'm sorry. If you haven't read this or seen the movies, look, I'm sorry. I'm just spoiling all of it for you. Um, After that, every spell that is cast at Harry, it's not that it has no effect, but it's like it's lost its power. Mm. And that's the way that I see sin where it's like in death, even, you know, where, where we talk about like the death loses its sting Mm. that it's not that death isn't sad. And that still. it doesn't happen. That it doesn't happen. Yeah. But it's not like devastating. Right. Like it's not like. Yeah. And, and so it's, it's the same thing here. Like right. where you will still face sin. You will still deal with sin. You may still enter into sin. Mm-hmm. But it does not have the devastating effect right. that Satan wants it to have on your life. Right. And. And that's where, you know, you, you don't listen to the, the voice of the accuser. You listen to the voice of the advocate mm. of that, you know, hey, like, oh, look, you sin, you sin, you sin. You're mine, you're mine, you're mine. And God's like, hey, no, 
Like, yeah. that's nullified. And it, that's why it, it's, it's, super, it's not powerful anymore. It's super important to understand that word sanctification. Yes. Because if you define these things the wrong way, when you, when like, oh, especially yeah. sanctification, you can live with such a salvation insecurity mm-hmm. uh, that <laughs> if, if I sinned, like, and, and that's the way some people will define it. Well, if you accept, if you quote unquote accepted Jesus, then you sinned. Well, then you were never saved. Right. And like, that's the bananas sure. to me. Then Paul was never saved. Right. Because in Romans 7, he's going to tell us, I I'd still have still moments sin. when I look like the guy that was the guy before he met Jesus. Right. Like, I don't understand what I do. I do things I don't want to do. The things I want to do, I don't do. And he says, who's going to rescue me from this? Hmm. Oh, Jesus already has. And so, you know, that's why it's so important to understand that, like, it's, it's, and the way I put it is, in that, that, that message, it, grace erases the penalty of sin, mm-hmm. that eternal consequence, mm-hmm. that, you know, it, but, and it eliminates the power of sin. Yes. That it doesn't mean that we still don't have moments when we choose it. Right. But again, it, going back to the chain, and I said this, I don't know if I said it in this message or one when I used those chains a few years ago, mm-hmm. sin will always be a choice. Okay. You, you can going. make it. Like yeah. that's like it it's there, but when when you step into sin in Christ Jesus, mm-hmm. it's because in that moment you've decided mm-hmm. that you want that more than Well, the that's thing. the that's the language yeah. of Romans 6. There's so much language in this chapter that points to our ability and responsibility to wrestle and leave sin behind. So he says yeah. things like do not let sin reign in your mortal body. Do not offer any parts of it to sin. Sin doesn't rule over you because like you can't help it. Yeah. You know? You see that level of your responsibility, yes. your decide your decision, your not it's not as if like, you know, sin has this grip. It is the controller. Mm-hmm. It is the thing. The devil made me do it. It's right. yeah. Well and then you also have to look at the other side. So where it says, you know, do not let sin reign. Do not offer. Then sometimes we can go in the total wrong opposite direction, which is I have to control it. Mm. Like, I, I'm i not going to let sin rule in my body. I am not going to offer any of my part. You know, that I'm not going to offer anything in me to sin. But Paul uses a very offensive word in this passage. Um, he uses the word slave, mm. um, which, you know, when we hear that word slave, it's like, oh, gosh, slavery is bad. And yes, in the human context, 100%. But he says you can basically, you either will be slave to sin or be slave to God. And only one of those is a kind and good master, Mm -hmm. you know, and that we ourselves are poor masters. So like, which don't, don't go so far to the the place of saying like, well, it's in my control that I am my own master Mm. because that's idolatry and that's, letting mm-hmm. sin reign in your body again, mm-hmm. you know, but it's who is your master? You, you are slave to the one that you obey. Mm-hmm. And so you have a choice in who will you obey. Right. That's good. Yeah. You were thinking something. Yeah. But where you ended up going, I don't need to say it. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Yeah, yeah. All right. Um, so sort of with all this in view, sort of wrap up, uh, well, there's a couple more things in Romans 6, sorry. You know. Listen, we're we're only like 30-something minutes in. Yeah, okay. Okay? We're doing really good. Good pace, good pace. Okay? This is great. All right. Um, how do we justify comments like, um, I mean, I, I'm, I'm a human. Like, I sin every day. Or even still things, say things like, 
I mean, I'm just a sinner. I'm listen. I'm a sinner. You're a sinner. We're all sinners, sin, sin, sinners. How do we, how do we adjust? Because language matters, and yeah. the way that we talk about ourselves and identify ourselves matters. Because I don't think that God looks at us and says and sees us as sinners, right? I think there's a lot of biblical evidence to say, you know, sinner is who you were. Sinner is not what you are in mm. Christ. That there, that there is. I mean, if the old is gone, the new has come. You are a new creation. Yes. And so if you say, well, I was a sinner before I met Jesus. I'm a sinner after I met Jesus. Then uh-huh. help, help that compute help, yeah. in my mind as to what God did in you. Did he not transform you? Did he not change you? Right. Again, go back to even what I said. It was this message or the, the other message. You must be born again. Mm-hmm. That you have the first birth under the curse of Adam and you have mm-hmm. the new birth in, in, as in Christ. Right. And so you, you are something new. Yeah. You're not just something different. This is not like you 2.0. <laughs> this is this yeah. is a new this version new. of you. Mm-hmm. And so I think sometimes and again, it comes down to like I need to know what you mean when you say it. Sure. I'm a sinner in that like I recognize my capacity to sin, to sin. at any moment. Right. 100% agree. Yes. Like there's a level of awareness that, that you have That sin nature to, that we will not fully that, escape that, until That's healthy heaven. to say because yeah. if you think, you know, be careful that you don't think you're tempted, right? You can't be tempted because in that moment's when you'll fall. Yeah, I understand that. But sometimes, just to be honest, I think it's a crutch. Mm. It's a crutch we lean on to justify the sin we want to engage. Yeah. Well, I'm just a sinner, so that's my out for when I cuss out my coworker. Mm. I'm just a sinner, so that's my out for when I drink too much. Mm-hmm. I'm just a sinner, so it's like a crutch as yeah. opposed to like something that we deeply believe is a theological doctrinal thing Mm. for us yeah and so it kind of depends on what you mean when you say it Mm -hmm. but you've heard me say you keep thinking like a slave you'll keep acting like a sinner Mm -hmm. you start seeing yourself as a son yeah a daughter as a new creation Mm -hmm. as a new creature as somebody that is in possession of the holy spirit right access to the same power that brought jesus out of the grave then you can start walking walking in victory. Mm-hmm. And so to me, it's a, it's, it's a dangerous mindset to yeah. adopt this as to, and I don't see Paul, ex, like he's acknowledging those moments, sure. but I don't see him settling no. for being in that, in that position. Yeah. Yeah. You know? That's good. Yeah. Yeah. Because that's something that we hear a lot um, and a mindset that we can have. I think you're right to excuse or even set us up to be able to have an excuse mm. um, for those moments where it's like, yeah, no, I probably shouldn't, yeah. but, you know, I'm just a sinner. So yeah, yeah. <laughs> what, yeah. what more do you expect? Right. Um, so kind of the last thing that I want to talk about in Romans 6, you asked a question in Romans 6. And honestly, when you said it the first time, I heard it different. Mm. Um, the, the question you asked was, what doesn't he have? Mm. And you were asking it in the terms of surrender. What, what doesn't he have? What is it that you have not laid down? What is it, you know, in this ever-increasing surrender to God, in this ever-increasing holiness, like what is it that you're holding back? But the first time that you asked it, I heard it as, what doesn't he have? Like, what mm. is it that you're holding on to so tightly that you think that the thing that God has isn't better than what mm. you're holding on to? That's good. And that's like, that's kind of the, almost like, in a rhetorical way. Mm-hmm. And, you know, so still in that, because it, those two things are hand in hand of, you know, if you are, if you haven't listened to this message or if since that message, you know, you've been 
wrestling with that question of what doesn't he have? And there is something that you just can't let go of. And <clears throat> y'all, sometimes the things that we're holding, they're not bad things. Yeah. It's, it's the safety of my kids. I was like, God, if I open up my hands and I say, okay, God, they're yours. Like, I, I trust you. I want you to shape our lives. Listen, here's the thing. I know that sometimes that looks, that's really painful. Mm. And, you know, I think like, oh, God, what if that means that something's going to happen to me or my husband or one of our kids and you want us to walk through this trial so that we can give you glory? And, like, I go down this, you know, this whole path. I'm like, oh, please don't do that. Please don't do that. Please don't do that. But so sometimes those things that we're holding onto, they're not things that are like addictions. Sometimes it's just control. Right. And asking that question of like, hold on, but what doesn't God have? That like if you open your hands and you think the thing that you're holding onto is the best thing there was and the best thing that there ever will be, like what do you think about God and what he has to give to you. And so just that that encouragement, like, because that open-handedness of what doesn't he have and open your hands and give him the things that you're holding on to, your open hands are also there to receive what he has. Yeah, that's good. Um, yeah. So I love that. I love that question. And um, Well, you know, I talked yeah. about, you know, the point that I made. It was actually in the next sermon that went along with the freedom of surrender mm-hmm. was that message. You know, that resistance flows from submission. That our ability yes. to resist is our is dependent on our willingness to submit. Yeah. That when we're trying to, mm-hmm. you know, and when you say resist, you mean like resist sin, resist the resist the temptation, resist the devil, resist the things mm-hmm. that are coming the our of way. This world and yeah, all that. That, that yeah. our ability to resist, yeah, temptation, is is when things are surrendered. When you're walking in submission, when you're walking in allowing God, okay, God, I'm gonna I'm gonna let your voice. I'm going to let mm-hmm. your fingerprint be on everything. Yeah. I'm not going to compartmentalize. I'm not going to leave anything out. You know, the things, because when we, that's at the very essence of the enemy's thing is you ignore what God says mm-hmm. and do, just do it your way. Right. Um, and so when you are, have the courage to say, okay, everything, every part of my life, I'm just going to surrender to your word and I'm going to do everything I can to make sure I fully understand mm-hmm. what surrender looks like in all these areas mm-hmm. so that when that time comes, I can be like, no, you're a liar, devil. I know that that's mm. not what God wants for me. Yeah. I know that this way is not easier, but it's better. Right. I know that this way is going to produce the things that I that I want to unfold in my life. Yeah. Yeah. Good. Cool. All right. So that moves us into chapter seven. Mm. Uh, and that idea of sanctification is sort of carried carried through this chapter. Um, this sermon. If I had to say there's one sermon in all of Romans mm. that you need to listen to, it's this one. Mm. I loved this one. I've listened to it multiple times. Mm. Um, and it's always interesting because most Sundays I hear all three messages. Um, but sometimes like I only hear one and then I'll start talking to somebody in the lobby and the other ones, <laughs> yeah, so, yeah. you know. Yeah. Um, but uh, so I encourage you, you know, go back and listen to sermons more than one time, y'all, because Odds are the one that you heard in the room is not the one that... Oh, they're different. Yeah, they're always different. <laughs> sometimes and a little different, just subtle, and sometimes really real different. Real different. Uh, so always go back and listen. But then also, the things that you hear the second time... Yeah, the second pass, you see things you don't you see, see before. You see things, yeah. And yeah. you've had a minute to kind of marinate on yeah. on the content. And then sometimes when you 
hear it again, your ears listen differently. Yeah. Your heart's ready to receive it in a new way. It's softened in some new way. Mm-hmm. Um, or you've faced something different since then, you know? Yeah. So, uh, so go back and listen. This one is called The War Between New and Old. Um, for me, this chapter has always been a comforting chapter. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it is for a lot of people. Actually, the week before you preached this, I was at a birthday party and um, one of the parents there said, yeah, you know, I'm, I'm excited about here in Romans 7. I've loved, you know, going through this this book. And he said, this is really the first time that I've read through Romans. And he said, and honestly, like, I don't enjoy, I don't like reading the Bible a lot because I, I feel like I, I can't compare. I feel like hmm. I can't live up to all of these great heroes of the Bible. And my life looks so different from them. And he said, but like Paul's saying, like I'm, I'm still wrestling. And he's mm-hmm. like, look at Paul, like, look at all the things that he did. And yeah. here in Romans seven, like he's saying he still struggles yeah. and it doesn't seem like a small thing, no. you know? Um, and it's something that, that grieves him greatly. I mean, what's, what is it that he says? Like, I'm a wretched man or what a wretched yeah. man I am. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, I think sometimes whether it's because of felt board Sunday school lessons mm. or, um, you know, just the ideas that we paint or even just blips of a sermon. Like when we hear about David and Goliath, when we don't read the whole of scripture, like they're all flawed. Yeah. Every single one. Like there's not a person in scripture that's like, that's the one, that's the archetype until you get to Jesus, you know? Yeah. And what? There's a thought I had and it it would take us down probably a super long. Yeah. I think about David. Mm -hmm. This is a man after God's own heart. What does that mean? Yeah. Does it does it mean that David was a man like sometimes I think we read that and it's like after God's own heart, like it's like a like a replica. Like it's right. it's but is it a man like who's after like chasing, chasing after. God's like that's own what heart. he desired. Yeah. That, and that's what I think. Yeah, I think so too. Um a, a man who was dedicated to knowing yeah. what God wanted. Yeah. Not a man who mirrored the character and nature of God. Right. And I think sometimes that's the way we read it. Is mm-hmm. he was a man after God's own heart. Like he right. was he was the man that 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 represented God in the world and in the way he lived, because obviously he didn't. No. Um, but he was like even and proved that a man that was in pursuit of God could have a such a colossal failure. Failure. Yeah. Yeah. Um anyway. Yeah. No, we don't that's, have time to go down those trails. Right. That's good. Uh so Romans 7. Romans 7. Thank you. I'm like, let's get back. Um, You talked in this one about doing the right thing, but for the wrong reasons. Mm. Um, I don't remember that, but yeah, okay. I'm sure I did. I don't even know that I heard it. Like, I don't know that it was in my notes the first time. I think I heard it when I went back and I listened. Mm. Um, That, that in, like, that the heart... Yeah, because I talked about, you know, yeah. not being motivated by fear, but driven by love. Yeah. 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 Uh, and that's where— Because I think that—and and I wanted to make the clarification that day. Mm-hmm. Paul's not worried about his salvation. Correct. He's not worried that when he has these moments that somehow, okay, his eternity with God is at risk. And I know that's right. a whole other level of Or that he's questioning that. whether or not he has been changed at all. Right. Yeah. It's, it's like— I. 
I don't want to do these things anymore mm-hmm. because I want to honor God and I want to live out of love for him. So I'm not wanting this change in me because I have some fear of what God's going to do because of my sin, because I right. know that my sin past, present, and future is covered by Jesus's blood and his sacrifice. Mm-hmm. But I know that I'm, I'm grieving God's heart mm. that I put in my notes, it, it, in my notes, it breaks his heart because he knows sin breaks God's heart. Mm-hmm. And like there's this desire just to, to move away from it. Right. Um, you know, and Paul says, uh, verse 20 says, if I now, if I do what I do not want, I am no longer the one that does it, but it is the sin that lives in me. Um, and, you know, that's some hard language to deal with. Because when, when we talk about like, because he also says in Galatians, I'm crucified with Christ and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. Mm. And like, how do we, and, and we just talked about, I'm not a sinner. Right. But sin lives in you. Yeah. Also, Christ lives in you. Yeah. Let's talk about some tension that that can sometimes, what does that do? Because you're still in the flesh. Yeah. You're still in the world. You're still, you're, you're you haven't experienced the fullness yeah. Of the God of the glory of God, the full transformation, the new the new body, the new like, you know, we're still in we're this new spirit in this same old body and mm. this new creation in this same old world. Right. And so those things are are, are colliding yeah. constantly, which is why we are still tempted. Yeah. Is that. You're saying that. And I cannot remember the context, so. I'm sorry, well, one of the things isn't... I said that Sunday was there are moments when who I was collides with who I am. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Is that what, what was she talking about when he talked about pouring new wine into old wineskins? That when you do that, like the wineskins, like nobody sews a, a, a new patch on an old garment. I think or, that was more in the context of these old Pharisees and these old uh-huh. people not, you know, these old not, tr- one, not okay. being able to handle yeah. the, the new thing that Jesus is ushering in. The, yeah. Yeah. But I think the principle still applies. Yeah, probably so. Like that this new thing in your life is not simpatico with the old thing mm. that's still lingering. Yeah. yeah. Um, and, and the last, you know, it, I said, you know, grace erases the penalty, eliminates the power, but does not eradicate the potential. Yeah. And so we're, because of all those things, and, and it comes back to that, that whole definition of entire sanctification, that mm-hmm. like you, it is not, you know— Someday we'll live in, we'll live in a new heaven, new earth that doesn't have tempting things anymore. Yeah. That doesn't have all the stuff that's still waging war mm. with our spirit. It does feel like that sometimes, doesn't yeah. it? For sure, like a <laughs> like a war. No, I think that's the language yeah. that scripture uses, like yeah. that these things are at war with one another. Yeah. Yeah. Um All right. I'm good on Romans 7. Anything else you want to talk about in Romans 7? Um I don't think so. I think, you know, again, and I said this, though, it's Paul wasn't making an excuse for being mm-hmm. sinful. It was a reminder to be careful. Yeah. Just to keep in mind that you keep your guard up. Yeah. You know, it's easy to get spiritually lazy mm. when, you know, we've been walking around, we've had victory, we've, we've it's easy, it's kind of like that person that thinks, I don't need my medication anymore, I'm good. Oh, yeah. You know what I mean? Or you get to that point where you've done all the right things to get you to a certain point. Right. And now you think I'm fine, not realizing, yeah, it's because you're doing all those things. Right. That kind of kept you in that space. Oh, that's good. And it's like so often, you know, 
we go to church, we build community, we do all these things, we start having victory, we start seeing all these things, and then little by little we start to just kind of release those things and stop doing those things and 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 mm. become a little bit spiritually arrogant. Yes. That like I'm good, I'm fine, I'm okay, I've had victory over that, and then mm-hmm. bang. You know, like just I think that's what Paul's saying is is yeah, or maybe he's not saying this here. Maybe I just kind of take this because I don't sure. think Paul was just saying, yeah, this it's gonna happen. It's all good, right? You're gonna sin, and you know what? You, you ask Jesus to forgive you, and, and although those things are true, Jesus's grace is. I mean, he's gonna forgive. He's mm-hmm. gonna accept your repentance and your confession and all that kind of stuff. Um, and sometimes I see people living like that. It's almost like, well, and it comes back to that. Well, I'm a sinner. Yeah, I ask Jesus for forgiveness, and there comes a point when it's like, you know. You keep slapping me in the face and telling me you're sorry. Eventually, I'm going to wonder if you're sorry. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, if you slap me and say I'm sorry, and then you slap me and say I'm sorry, and then you slap me and say I'm sorry, I'm going to be like, are, are you? you? Yeah. And I think, you know, and that's a whole other conversation yeah. about true repentance. Because repentance mm-hmm. is a is a shift. It's a change. Right. It's a, it's a, and that's another thing we don't think about, too, is forgiveness is more than just saying a prayer. Like how God impart like the, the vehicle that comes with forgiveness. It's like He's looking for that repentance. He's looking for you know that's a word that we don't like to use. That's a whole another probably entire podcast of talking about confession, repentance. You know that whole desire to to move around and and part of like what Paul's saying here is you you hear the brokenness mm-hmm. over these moments he has. Like this is not a casual like yep sinned again. <laughs> You know, yeah. who's going to rescue me? Oh, man, it's Jesus. Yeah. No, I mean, like I hear or I read this, this anguish, mm-hmm. this heartbreak. It's This is not a casual, yeah. like, concept of sin. Paul's not saying, yeah, there's going to be times, man, where you just you slip don't, up. You slip up. You don't do good things. And you know what, man? God's good, and he's going to forgive you, and, like, yeah. just, you just keep rolling on. Um, Like, my fear in preaching a message like this is, like, don't walk away with a with a casual mm-hmm. perception here that right. is far beyond what yeah. is intended. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And when I say like that it's a comfort, it's not in a, oh, yeah. it's that, not in the way of it justifies then no. my own sin. Yeah. What it does is it says, okay. I'm not the only one. I'm not the only one. Yeah. 100%. And Paul has walked this before me. Let's see, you know what what he has to to teach us about it and you know and that's where he goes into Romans 8 and he, and he does he tells us like now there's no condemnation mm. in Jesus Christ like right. that you know that we are we're not condemned that but then he does say like don't live according to the flesh like live according to the spirit like that's where you find life that is where you find peace and i think he was someone he was not living according to the flesh. Right. There were times when his flesh won For sure. out over the spirit. Yeah. Um, and and he's saying like no, like he and he, Galatians five is beautiful in in how in walking that out. Just yeah. Galatians five and, and Romans he, eight, the beginning of it right. is very similar. And as he moves in that, he know he's like, I'm not I'm not condemned because of those moments. Right. Because mm. of who Jesus mm-hmm. is. Um, and again, he's, he's, he's harkening back to like, my frustration isn't because I'm condemned. It's because I, I, I want this transformation. Yeah. I want this change. Yeah. All right. So last Sunday, so not this past Sunday, but the one before at the very end of Romans, mm-hmm. 
you said, and I think I quote, that you want to preach a 10-week series just on Romans chapter 8. I think I could. So here's your chance. Uh, you don't have 10 weeks, but you could, we'll say, in about 10 minutes. What are some, so first of all, we we just heard a tiny snippet, honestly, of what Romans 8 has to offer on Easter Sunday. Yeah. And it was probably the most, I don't want to say non-Easter Easter sermon, it was not the classic Mary at the tomb in the garden. Yeah, welcome you know. to the church. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, um, the number of people who came out on Easter Sunday mm. having experienced the full good news mm-hmm. of what Jesus has to offer mm. because of what you preached in Romans 8, that we are, that because Jesus conquered death, we are more than conquerors. But that doesn't mean that we're always, we'll, that we will always have relief and victory right in the moment. Yeah. Um, that sometimes like the, the language used, like we have to sit in Saturday mm-hmm. for maybe more than 24 hours, yeah, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, so we heard a little bit of that on, on Romans 8, but since this is Romans Revisited, mm-hmm. this isn't going to be revisiting that, that sermon. And honest, this is the note that I have in Romans chapter 8 for this podcast. Here's your chance. So Matt... What do you want to preach? I don't know. I don't know. Um, you Why know, are you drawn to this passage so much? I don't know. The, because there's just so much that speaks to my heart from start to finish. Because, I mean, you start in, in those first few verses mm-hmm. that there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ. And so in those moments when you feel condemned, mm-hmm. when you feel unworthy, when you feel, you know, lost in your mistakes in your shortcomings. And and again, there's times it's, it's not just those big sins, quote unquote, that mm-hmm. we think about. Just those those faults and failures and mistakes and the things that you've done that there's no condemnation. But then, you know, verse three, for what the law could not do since it was weakened by the flesh, God did. <laughs> again, just circle, yeah. just circle God did. Yeah. God did. Mm. God did. Um he condemned sin in the flesh by sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh to, as a sin offering. Like, think about how much gospel is just in, like, the first three or four, four verses. Oh, yeah. That he sent his own son in human flesh. Like, I could just unpack that. Mm. Like, the reality that we pray to a God who knows what it's like to walk in flesh. Mm-hmm. Of all the distinguishing factors, and there are many. Sure. All religions are not the same. There are things that definitely separate Christianity from every other thing in the world that we pray to a God that's no what knows very clearly what it's like to live out the human existence Mm. the flesh you know he he knew what it's like to to more than likely have his dad die yeah best that we can tell that Joseph somewhere goes away he knew what it like it was like to watch friends grieve as Mary and Martha grieve over Lazarus Mm -hmm. knew what it's like to have friends reject him in the moment that he needed them most Mm -hmm. You know, he knew what it's like to, you know, for 30 years live in obscurity and nobody even knew who he was. Right. You and know, then when they did, they didn't all like right. clamor did, and yeah. clap. There's just so, there's just so, so I mean, I, just to preach a message on, yeah. and you know, I don't know if you've read it, the Alicia Britt Cole's Anonymous book. Yeah. It's just so good. And then, you know, verse five, for those who live according to the flesh, think about everything that you talked about in Romans yeah. six and seven, seven. Mm-hmm. that we don't live according to the flesh. 
And but if you will, if you don't have your mindset, and just how much I could talk about that mindset. concept of mind yes. and how often Huge. that just is brought up in our church and our conversations oh, as a Sunday. staff, and yes. you know, just thinking about like what you're thinking about, mm-hmm. and how the the front lines of spiritual warfare are always yeah. on the mind. You know, like the the mind is where so much of this is won or lost, and that concept of mindset. Mm. Like it, it, it's not to set your mind is yeah. an intentional action. Yes, it's it's set your mind. Um, and now verse ten. Now, if Christ is in you, just Christ isn't for just for you. He is like in you, in you, yeah, in you. And just think about like all the the ways you could unpack just that thought. If he's in, in. you. Mm-hmm. That he has taken up residence in your life. That one of the reasons why he had to move sin out is because he can't coexist with sin. Mm-hmm. So if he's going to move into the apartment of your heart, he's got to first kick out its current resident. Yeah. Like sin has to go. Uh, and again, the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead. Mm. Just that reminder. Like think about the most powerful thing that could happen is to come from back from being dead and being alive. The most final thing that we can think of is death. You know, there's very there's a lot of things that aren't final. You know what? There's people that that your relationship might not be to, be over. Right. This cancer might not kill you. This right. this season will come to an end. But death mm-hmm. is as final a thing that the human that mind can, right. can concept. And he has the power to to erase what was final. Hmm. And think about power on that level. You yeah. think about we think about strength, and we think about people that can. Right. That's that. So just unpacking that. Um, and even not just thinking about like the, the implications of that for eternity. Um, and then verses, you know, 12 through 17, just the power of the Holy Spirit ministering to us, those moments when we don't know what to pray and he prays for us and that, you know, that we cry out, Abba, Father, the Spirit himself, verse 16, testifies together with our spirit that we are God's children, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ, Mm -hmm. that if we suffer with him, that we may be glorified with him, that this isn't all for nothing, that there is something that is being produced, that there is things that are on the other side. Like, yeah, I mean, that's just, that's six or seven sermons right sure. there before you even move into it. But I think the message that God gave me that day was the message that best sums it up, mm-hmm. is, you know, that we are conquerors even when it doesn't feel like we're conquering anything, mm. that God has promised ultimate victory but not immediate hmm. you know and that's that is i don't know if for me that was as personal uh, easter messages as I've, I've ever preached cuz we look we know that all, that got, that all things work together for the good and like in the immediate that feels like the biggest lie in all the bible because hmm. if he works all things for the good why why isn't it good why? and um, there's people that are like why isn't it good it's been 10 years it's been 20 years it's been 30 years it's he works all things for the good. And we think we are such an immediate culture. We believe very deeply that I diet two days, I lose 40 pounds. I, ha- I go to therapy one time and I'm fixed. Mm-hmm. Uh, I take the right pill and I'm no longer depressed the next day. Mm-hmm. Um, I overcome anxiety in two days. Mm-hmm. Like there's these things that we just, and like, there's people, and, and maybe there's somebody needs to hear this. There are things that, and oh gosh, 
but it's probably true that there are things that you're going to have to deal with till you die. And I know that's super hard and that's like frustrating um, that there, like, there are some things that God may not deliver you from fully until you get to heaven. Yeah. Um, and I know that that, man, that sounds super depressing and defeating, but it, even when it's not good, he still is. Mm-hmm. And he has the power to give us the strength to endure that it just because you're not conquering doesn't mean it's going to crush you. That oh, he's going to hold you, good. you know, Paul, Paul, we're hard pressed on every side. Right. Like it's, but we're not, not defeated. Crushed. Right. You know, we are, we're perplexed, but. We do not despair. We, it, mm-hmm. That this is the reality, mm-hmm. but we're going to walk through. In other words, Paul saying it's not good. Right. But even when it's not good, we're okay. Mm-hmm. And we're going to keep moving forward. And because it's worth what awaits us in the ultimate is worth what we're enduring in the immediate. Yeah. And so, and I think there's some people that like you're just, it's okay to be discouraged, but don't be defeated. It's okay to, to be frustrated, but stay faithful. And you know, I think about even, you know, people that, that, that we know, people that we love that constantly saying, man, I don't know why I'm, st- I don't want to deal with this anymore. And it's disheartening because you're like, I don't want you to deal with it anymore either. Like, I yeah. wish that this, this would go away. But I think about Paul. Mm-hmm. He says, I prayed three times. Right. God, take it away. God, take it away. God, take it away. And God said, my grace is sufficient. No. Yeah. That mm. my grace is sufficient. Um, That if you think Sufficient grace means the complete removal of that thorn. Yeah. Then you don't understand what I'm doing here. Mm-hmm. Um, but in your weakness, I'm there and I'm perfect and I'm going to walk you through it. And so, but all of that, those last few verses mm-hmm. are filtered through those first few verses. Mm-hmm. So set your mind. Mm-hmm. Remember you're not condemned. That all things work to the good. What well, doesn't feel good. But okay, you you gotta you gotta cap, you gotta take every thought captive. You gotta set your mind, because if your mind is set on the flesh, then you're not gonna endure till the end. If you're if you're looking for power from some other thing other than the power that raised Jesus from the dead to give you the strength to make it through the hard, you're not gonna make it. That if in those moments when you don't know what to pray and you're speechless, don't forget that you have one that's praying, interceding on your behalf. Mm-hmm. So like, yeah, all things work for the good. We are more than conquerors, all that kind of stuff. But everything he says leading up to that point are the things that are necessary to endure the immediate so you see the ultimate good. And I think we need to stop there. I was going to say. It's a good place to wrap up this It really is. And, you know, that's. You have read Romans 8 more times than anybody I know, honestly. Uh, And I don't. I mean, I don't have, I don't have anything to add to that. It's like, this, that it's, it's my retreat. Yeah. It's the one when like, I'm in moments of uncertainty, you have to retreat to what is certain. And there's always something that's certain. Yeah. There's never a moment when everything's uncertain. Yeah. And sometimes the only certainty we have is the scripture. It is always certain. It is mm-hmm. true. Yeah. Cause in uncertainty, it's like, you're wondering what's true and what's a lie. Mm. That's what uncertainty is, is, you know, is uncertainty of the season that we're in. 
Yeah. Is it going to turn out like this? Is it going to turn out like that? What's going to be the outcome? Through COVID, what's going to happen? Through mm-hmm. the economic stuff, rent, all this kind of stuff. And it's like, there's so much uncertainty. All right, God, what's true? I need something true. I need something to certain. Mm-hmm. And, Ro- and all of the Bible is certain. But Romans 8, it's that, all of it. Yeah. It's okay, Matt. Set your mind. Remember that ultimately there's no condemnation. So that means, you know what? There's an eternity that waits for you. There's a Holy Spirit that's working for you, working in you. That I'm, It's not good now, but it will be good someday. That you're being crushed. It feels like you're being crushed. But understand that ultimately you're going to conquer. And it's just a reminder. Mm-hmm. You know, this Sunday we talked about hope. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just what restores some hope for me. So, yeah. Good. All right. All right. Well, that's the... We'll wrap that up, and then we'll call that the end of Romans Revisited Part Part 2. And stay tuned. Uh, Next week, we will pick up uh, with Romans 9, 10, 11, and so on. And that ought to be a doozy, because if you know Romans 9, 10, and 11, it is a (laughs) difficult one for us to kind of unpack. And next week will be a fun one, and we'll get to kind of lean into some doctrinal things that we didn't really allow to... That distract. are difficult in a monologue, a monologue situation yeah. when you don't have the opportunity to sit down and you still don't right. and you never will right. have the opportunity to sit down with every single person in our church who came from their own, not just a different theological background or doctrinal background, but from different individual churches yeah. who had different pastors who spoke different things all yeah. somehow from the same Bible. Um, that's yeah. a hard thing to try to uh, lasso together right. in a monologue on a Sunday morning. And so, it's, a, it's a space that's going to invite some dialogue and some questions. Yes. And so make sure you join us next week for part three of this very special Venice Church <laughs> podcast, <laughs> Romans Revisited. We'd love to hear from you guys. If you're listening to this, jump on the Venice Church app. Uh, make sure you let us know. Hit that respond tab. Give us some feedback. And also, if you've never reviewed the Vintage Church podcast oh, as a whole, yeah. that would be an awesome thing to do, whether you're listening on iTunes or Spotify or whatever mm-hmm. platform you listen to our podcast. That helps um, get this podcast. Yeah. Whether our Because more often than not, this is our Sunday um, messages from mm-hmm. our worship gatherings. And so we would love for you to review it. We'd love feedback from you. And we hope to hear from you soon. Until then, we'll see you next time. Thanks for listening.